Well, I got my buddy John Contest here, and uh, he hates, hates, hates when I do this, but I do it every time um, because he always says, "Don't just skip all the mushy stuff." But I'm a mushy guy, so so no, I love John. John was my uh, high school history teacher, and he well, it was called history, but it was more like a Bible class, which was like the best thing ever combination. All right, and uh, so. Sitting in his history class as like a 10th, 11th, 12th grader, I mean, just really changed my life. This guy is somebody that I, I call this poor guy like monthly just to like ask him a question. I need his advice. I need some prayer. I need some, you know, encouragement. So this is a mentor to me. This is a guy that's really changed my life. And I thought this would be fun to do because there are, you know, maybe some people here don't know you, but um, I would guess a lot of people in the room do know you. So he hates this. Let's just do it because he hates it, all right? Um, how many of you guys have been impacted by this guy? Just raise your hand real quick. All right, so I think that's pretty cool. How many has it been negative, though? (laughs) That's true. I didn't, I got to qualify that question a little bit. All right, cool. But uh, a couple years ago, John came and he helped us out with a a different series we were going through, and we talked about humility, and that was awesome, and we both determined that I'm much more humble than he, but it it was, uh, no, I'm kidding. But um, it was a really, really great night, and I wanted to get him back out and to do something again. And tonight, we want to talk about this idea, and this is not scripted. We've not talked about any of this stuff. There's just, we're going to just... Yeah, we're just going to pick this guy's brain a little bit and talk about the idea of who are you when no one is looking? Who are you when no one is looking? A couple of years ago, I was sitting up in my office and I was really, well, I still am, I'm really into softball. I love playing softball on our team and I had just gotten a new softball mitt and I was trying to figure out how to work it in. You know, like you get that new mitt, you got to make it, you know, just nice and loose and ready to get those balls and everything. And so I'm up in the office and I'm watching a video on how to break in my softball mitt. And I'm watching one on shaving cream and how to use shaving cream to break in your softball mitt. And I'm not trying to embellish a story. I can't remember if I did or didn't actually have shaving cream in my hand and all over the mitt. I can't remember that part. But as I'm going and I'm enthralled, I'm looking at the screen, I'm, I don't remember if I'm you know, massaging the, the shaving cream into the mitt or not, right? But all of a sudden, without me realizing it, as I'm up in my office, I do actually normally do work in my office. But, but that day, uh, I'm sitting up there and suddenly I hear a voice and I look over and it's the youth pastor from Smithtown Gospel. His name's Mike. He's a great guy. But it was the first time I was ever meeting him. And he just wanted to stop in and just say hi and say, hey, I'm new over there. And so he comes up and I'm like massaging my mitt, you know, with shaving cream, you know. And I just remember like thinking to myself, that is not the impression I wanted him to get, you know. That is not what I wanted him to think. Well, that's what that guy's like when no one's looking, right, okay. I would have chosen something different, okay. Now, whether you massage mitts or not uh, is not really the issue. The issue is, in each of our lives, there can tend to be kind of a private us and a public us, you know? There can be like the church Doug and then the not church Doug, and there can be the church you and the not church you, or there can be like, I'm with my Christian friends and I'm with my not Christian friends, or, or whatever that might be. And so really, we want to just talk about this idea of who are you when no one's looking? When, when your Christian friends aren't looking, who are you? You know, um, even when you're just completely by yourselves, who are you? Integrity, you know, your heart, like deep down inside. The things that maybe no one else but God sees, who are you? And so I guess my first question for John on this is, um, why is this issue a big deal? Like, why does it matter to talk about this with us here tonight? Because I think it's a problem for everybody, right? And it's all in degrees. Some people are complete 180 when they're with their friends, you know, that are Christian and complete, you know, the opposite. And then with all of us, it's in degrees. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, someone coming to your house and you didn't expect them to come and your house isn't all cleaned up. If you knew they were coming, you would have cleaned up your house and vacuumed and put everything away. So it's very easy to fall into it where you're your you're, you're church self and then you're your other self. And because there's a battle, the whole carnal spiritual battle going on, 
it's easy to fall back into that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I think we have this kind of facade going on for me be like one of two reasons. I would say for some of us here in the room tonight, we, we, we really are just playing church and we know it. You know, like we're here and we're raising our hands, you know, and we're, we're singing the songs and 100% then just go out and we just go do the complete opposite and we're fine with it. Like that's just, that's just who we are right now. We're playing church and then we're playing other, other you know, normal, normal self. And then I'd say there's another group of people in here, which I would say a ton of us probably fall into, is we really want to be the real thing, but we really genuinely struggle, mm-hmm. you know? So we have this. Christian side to us, I want to say side to us, but, but, but like the presentable Christian side, and then we go home, and it's like, I really want to honor God, but I just keep struggling with this certain thing. Um, what would you say to both groups? Like, if, if someone is here, and they're just kind of playing church, like, what would you say to them? Well, uh, I'd rather you hear, be playing church than not here at all. That's good. <laughs> because, you know, you're going to get touched eventually if you keep coming here, hmm. but... Uh, I, I, would, I would take a serious turn and, and look at God for yourself and look at the Bible for yourself. Romans 1.19 says that it was made manifest in us to know God. So everyone in this room, even if you're sitting here and you're an atheist, there's something inside of you that's hardwired to know God. And that's why people who don't walk with God are very easily offended or get very defensive when you start bringing up Jesus. Now, if I thought Jesus was just a nobody... What do I care that you're bringing them up? But there's something inside of me that triggers, you know, at the name of Jesus, something inside of me is triggered, and, and I get upset so, uh, or frustrated or defensive. So there's not a person walking in the earth that doesn't have a sense of who God is, even an atheist. There's, there's something there because God says that. He said you were, you, it was made manifest in you to know God. God wired us to know him. So that's for that person who's here and they're just playing church that you need to take a serious look. And what I love about God, and I always tell this to my students, is God's not afraid of your questions. I was not afraid of you asking, you know, how come my grandpa died and we all prayed for him? How come there was a Holocaust? How come horrible things happen? People get raped and murdered and, you know, babies die. And so God doesn't get nervous with that. And he's he's a good, open father that you can go and ask any question to and he won't judge you. So I would give that a shot. The the rest of us, which probably includes the vast majority of us, I mean, I would have to say that we're never going to be 100% of what we would like to be, yeah. you know. And I think sometimes, you know, and this is no insult to anyone in here who might be Catholic or go to a Catholic church, but most Protestant churches look at Catholic church and say, oh, they're all about works. They have a works mentality. Well, we have a works mentality too because if we think we're not doing everything right, then we're hypocrites and screw-ups, but we're not. If you have a heart after God, David had a heart after God. He committed adultery and murdered the woman's husband. And God says, he's got a heart after me. Yeah. So I'm not recommending any of that. But, <laughs> but, but you could really love God, but you're never going to have it all together. And I don't think God is expecting you to have it all together. It's all a matter of the intention of the heart. Would I want to strive and be more like Jesus with every passing year and decade of my life and look back and go, I'm grown in the Lord? Absolutely. But would I be, would I take condemnation into my heart and my mind if I'm not doing everything right? No way. And there's a big difference between like a knee-jerk sin and habitual sin. So, you know, it it could be a sexual thing. You could see something for a moment and, whoa. And then you can catch yourself. You know, you can have an idea of jealousy in your heart 
when you see someone you wish you had the car they had or whatever. But do you allow it to really manifest? And is that really your habit? Is that really your way? There's a big difference. And most of us probably struggle with those knee-jerk, you know, you got really mad at somebody, go over and apologize. That's what Christians do, you know. Uh, Peter and Paul had acute arguments, and they're both great, great men of God that we all admire. Yeah, cool. All right, let me ask you about this. Um, I think sometimes we have this mentality as Christians, like, okay, I want to be cool and show people that I can still do what they do but love Jesus. In other words, like, I can, I could swear and curse, I could drink, I could, you know, kind of get wasted, I could, you know, say this sexually or do that sexually, but I'm just trying to show them that, like, God's relatable and, you know, like, like I think we sometimes think um, it's going to be attractive. Like, like, if I could be just like my friends but say I love God, that's going to be attractive to them and draw them in. What do you think? Is that? I think that's garbage. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I do too, just so you know. I, I wasn't like preaching that point. Okay, all right. <laughs> I think he was. No. Uh, it's, I remember a few years ago, I had a girl in my office. I was the dean for a few years at the school that I work at. And she was like one of the cool girls. And, you know, she, you know, made fun of the goody two-shoe girls and the girls that were really walking with God. And one day she just broke down in my office. It was the funniest thing. And... <laughs> Because he she really is a good guy. She <laughs> thought she thought she was so cool and so tough, and you know, always in trouble for talking back to teachers and people waiting to see what she was going to say. You know how tough she was going to get, and she breaks down crying in my in my office, and she goes, "I want to be like so and so." She names like this like really solid Christian girl who's like at the head of the class, great kid, you know, really mature in God. And she, she says it like three or four times while she's crying. Wow! I really want to be like her. That's the kind of person I really want to be. And you know. People are not going to be impressed if, you know, you drop the F-bomb or you curse and say some sexual joke or something like that because they hear that from everybody. So what else is no? You know, so it's you not being that way but still being cool. Right. You can still be cool a million other ways. I don't think Jesus was uncool. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree. No, I agree with that one too. So we're right on the same page, bro. It's good stuff. Um, Let me ask you this. I think for some of us in the room tonight, and, and let me say, we're going to, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're like, well, what does it matter for me? I think we have a lot to learn tonight all together. Christians, not Christians. We're going to address some stuff for you in a minute. But, but if you're a follower of Jesus and you're struggling with some different issues of like church me and then, you know, the other me, like, I think that there's a certain degree to which it's kind of like, hey, just knock it off. You know what I mean? Like some people just kind of get a little bit of like a hit by a two by four. Yeah, on the side of the head, not literally, but, you know, like, just look, 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 like, wake up. Right. Like, you kind of know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that counts for a lot of things in life. You yeah. Know? There's a point where you could say that about, it, about almost anything. Uh, I, I knew a kid, and, you know, he, was, he had come to our school, and then later he was selling drugs. He was into some bad stuff. And then I saw him about six months later. I go, how you doing? He goes, I- I'm really trying, you know, like, to get away from the stuff. I go, why don't you just stop selling it? Like, yeah, yeah. Why, like why is there, we, I think we spiritualize a lot of things and yeah, we make yeah. everything, you know, like if I'm on a diet and I walk into 7-Eleven and I get a coffee and then I look and there's a donut there and I say this donut demon kind of <laughs> jumped on me and I couldn't help it. It was like, don't go to 7-Eleven now. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like some things are cut and dry. You know, right. the, I mean, Mrs. Reagan, uh, President Reagan's wife years back when he was the president 30 years ago, 
everybody teased her because she, she came up with the line, just say no to drugs. And we're, oh, geez, you think it's, but there, there's something about that yeah. to say, this is just wrong on any level. Right. It's wrong. I wouldn't want someone doing it to me. I wouldn't be happy if my brother or sister or my mother or father were doing it. So what am I doing it for? Yeah. And of course we have the grace of God to cut those habits. Right. Out. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend who, uh, was telling, uh, a guy was telling him, like, oh, I'm just really struggling with alcohol. I just can't seem to get a hold of it. Every time I, you know, every time I go to the bar, I get wasted. My friend just looked at him and said, stop going to the bar. Like, what's the problem, you know? Don't go to the bar anymore. Yeah, so so I think some of it is just knock it off. Like, some of us, we just got to wake up. Like, there have been times in my life, somebody, probably this guy or somebody like him has looked at an area of my life and just said, like, stop that. Like, like, why, okay? But I think there's something else, too, okay? Um, I think there's this other side that we have to start to be okay with. And I think it's, we have to start to be more and more real with each other about some of the struggles in our lives. You know, like I think some of it is knock it off. And I think other of it is we got to be real with the people in our lives so that they can help us through the struggles. You know, Um, that's why community groups are great. And I would even challenge us within our community group settings to go deeper than we are, to get more and more real. I'll tell you, some of the best community groups that I've ever been a part of um, have been times when, like, I'm in the old person marrieds group, so when we split up the husbands and the wives, and, and the guys just get together, and the women get together, and they talk about nails and stuff, but the guys, no, I'm kidding, the guys, the guys talk about the good stuff, and, uh, no, and, and we were just, we just get real within those settings. Like, I could still tell you, and I've been to, you know, a million community groups by now, but I could still tell you the times when that happened, and there was just such a genuineness and an openness, and, hey, I'm genuinely struggling. I want to be like Jesus. I don't want this to own me but I want to be like Jesus. So where have you seen the power of Christian relationships helping people through? Yeah, yeah first of all, the lie is, and, and I believe this lie half the time in my life too, so I'm not, I'm not above this by any means. Yeah. If I tell you that I'm depressed or if I tell you that I'm struggling with anxiety or with lust or alcoholism, then I'm off the team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, John Contis, you're kidding me. Oh, the guy's a hypocrite. He, so we, we, we boost up the personality and the outward stuff so we don't get, you know, like, like it doesn't come out, the truth yeah. about us. But meanwhile, all of us tend to be really, if you come down, if somebody really spills their heart to you, you tend to be really merciful toward them and you want to help them. But we, we kind of live under the lie. Like if, if you guys know my stuff, yeah. man, I'm in big trouble. And the truth is there are things that you just have to knock off. You know, like stop going to bars if yeah, you go yeah. there and get loaded, right? And then there's stuff that you're, you're, you're in bondage. You know, you, yeah. so the devil's got you believing a lie. You're in some kind of prison, and you can't get out. You want to get out, but you're embarrassed to tell people that you're in that prison, but those people can help you out of that, you know, through prayer and counsel and grace yeah. and just loving on you. And, I mean, you have an accountability partner. I got a problem with pornography. Listen, I, I get tempted sometimes. I want to go up to my computer. I'm going to call Doug up, and I'm going to say, you got to pray for me. I, it's really hitting me hard right now. Or I, I'm really tempted to go have another drink right now, even though I haven't had it for six months. So I think most of the time we, have, we tend to be merciful toward each other. When, when someone spills their guts, and it's probably really good to do that. And I probably don't do it enough. Yeah. And the times I've done it, it's been an absolute relief. Yeah. Like, you know, it's. Yeah. One time I was struggling with something. And it was just, I mean, it was like one of those things I just didn't want to tell anybody about. And I was sitting with my brother-in-law, Seth, and Bert from True North, and we were just sitting talking. And, and I, I just said, you know, I'm just going to tell these guys what's going on in my life right now. And I said it, and 
one of them looked back at me and like in I, these guys love me i love them we have a i mean 10 15 year relationship we're tight and they just one of them just looked back at me and just drilled me i mean let me have it like in love and i never again struggled with it i mean like that was the two by four to the head for me that just like shook me loose and it just made, made me go what am i what am i even thinking you know what i mean it just totally woke me up so yeah again just sometimes being in that vulnerable real place you know, we're going we're gonna to grow and we're going to get woken up. And, you know, I love what Matt Chandler says, you know, like if, you know, non-Christians say, oh, Christians are just hypocrites, Christians are just this or that. And he says, it's way worse than you think. You know, it's way worse than you think. If you, if you dug down deep, you would see that we all really, we genuinely need the grace of God every day and the forgiveness of Jesus every day. And we need each other to like encourage each other in that and strengthen each other in that. Um, so along the lines of, it's, such, it's like a balancing act here, honestly. It's like you got to scale. Because on the one, high, the one hand, we're saying lots of grace, right? Never going to be perfect, going to struggle. And, and then on the other side, I think we have to realize, but we do want to change. Like, like John said a few minutes ago, I want to grow. I should be changing. I should be becoming, becoming more like Jesus. And so I love this quote. I want you to just think about this and comment on it. Uh, this guy, Bob Coughlin, said, Christians aren't perfect, the old saying goes, just forgiven. But that's only partially true. Yes, there's unfathomable encouragement in knowing our sins have been completely paid for, but we're forgiven that we might be different. Yeah, to, sit, to stay just unforgiven, to stay in that state, it's like being stillborn. You know, you got saved today. You, you know, God has forgiven you by his grace, but that only wants to make me do better then. You know what I mean? That, that promised me to do better. I used to use the example because I, I've done a lot of catering, so I've been to a million weddings and I know for the ladies, it's, I think, a little bit of a bigger deal the way you get dressed. If you're, how many women in here have been in a bridal party? Over the, now, is that big when you get chosen to be in a bridal party? You know, and and I, I thought about this one time. I said, if you had this gorgeous you know, $150 bridesmaid dress on, it's, it's the big day, you're all excited, everybody got their hair done, everybody slept over the bride's house, the whole nine, and you had a beautiful church service, and now you're on the way to the reception, and on the way to the reception... You look down, and as you're walking into the reception, you look down, and there is, across your gorgeous dress, this big black grease mark. I mean, like, 12 inches long and 5 inches wide. It's ridiculous. So, if you're an American, red-blooded girl, you start crying immediately. <laughs> and I don't know exactly how this works, but there's always a couple of ants in the family that know how to take you into a bathroom. <laughs> take your dress off, do some miraculous things with stuff in their purse to get rid of the stain. I don't know how it's done. It's a secret that women know. And then they fix your makeup and they get your hair back to normal and put the dress back on and you're back to gorgeous. Who would ever, if that were you, ladies, I hope it's not the guys, if, if, that, if that was you, who would go back, who would backtrack and find out where in the parking lot you leaned up against a car or a tire and then take your dress and push it back up on that. I mean, you're just so happy mm. to get that stain off of your dress and to go back to it. So I think sometimes with sin, we don't understand the darkness of sin. Mm. So we just say, oh, my sins are forgiven. Like, it's no big deal. But obviously the wages of sin is death, and all of us have been victims of people who sinned against us or whose sin has impacted us. And it's ugly, and it's ugly. So the more we understand that, the more I want to be a light not just for, you know, my family, but for everybody around me. And I don't want to walk back into that. I don't want to go back into the mud. Even though sometimes the mud somehow, some strange way, still looks tempting, Mm. it's a disaster. And I'm going to do everything in my power 
to engage my will with God's will because I can't by myself do it. But I want to constantly be in a state of surrender to God because honestly, when I, when I hear guys, I'm 60 years old and I've been married for 35 years. I love my wife. She's gorgeous. I know you say your wife's gorgeous, but we'll my fight. wife is. We'll fight. Okay. <laughs> now, your wife's gorgeous too. But my wife has more years of being gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Okay. But, but you know, I, I am afraid... I mean, because I, I see guys in the ministry that fall, and they end up involved with another woman. It's amazing. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, that could happen to me. In fact, years ago, somebody preached here in this church, hmm. and he, he said that he had traveled during the summer to all these different churches with his son, and he was going back around one more time to the same churches, and his son had met uh, this girl at one of the churches. And he said, well, we go back, and I'd like to date her. And the dad said, no, it's not really what we're doing. You can contact her afterwards but you know we're here for ministry and he did the line that you guys have used on your parents don't you trust me and and i love what this guy said he said i don't trust myself Mm. of course i don't trust you yeah you know and so it's just to be wise enough to know that you could fall and that you got to be careful and you got to guard your heart like the scripture says over and over again really really important but uh just to just to get saved and that's it i mean that's nothing yeah. I mean, it's, it's good that you have eternal life, but beyond that, the rest of this life is going to be a wreck. Right. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about salvation is that we get saved, and then God begins to rub some of the, the, the black junk off our mm-hmm. gown. You know what I mean? Well, I don't wear mm-hmm. gowns, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but, but, but he begins to remove that, that, that stain. And, I mean, who of us honestly wants to stay a slave to the things that we were a slave to or still are right now you know like we want to change we want to grow so if you've heard like oh eternal life and jesus is great like that's all true but jesus wants to begin to bring that change and that transformation in us here and now um what's the difference between perfect and genuine because that's we use that word genuine a lot here and and we say a lot we're not perfect but we want to be genuine so you know, for somebody that's walking in tonight saying, oh, I thought all this Christian stuff just about doing all the right things and keeping all the rules and being perfect. Like, what's the difference between perfect and being a genuine follower of Jesus? Well, perfect, you can hang it up because it's not happening. Exactly. Right? But a genuine follower of Jesus, my intention is to do the right thing, even though I mess up. So when I trip and I fall and I mess up and I said something I shouldn't have said, done something I shouldn't have done, I come clean with it, with God and maybe with a few people around me that I'm accountable to. Yeah. And, I, and I want prayer for it. That's being genuine. Now, Pastor Zolingo told the story about this waitress in a restaurant, and her big thing was, which is great, she wanted to be a light, she wanted to be a light, she wanted to be a light. And one day, under the pressure of a really busy day, she kind of lost it, and she kind of cursed somebody out in the kitchen. And, of course, after working there for a year and being the good Christian girl, I was yeah. like, whoa. You know? <laughs> and so she went to Pastor Zolingo. She was figured, it's all over now. You know, she lost her witness. And he said, well, you feel really bad, don't you? And she said, yeah, that's why I'm here. He said, well, why don't you just go back in the kitchen where those people work with you and tell them that. Yeah. And that's what she did. She said, you know, I, I love you guys, and, and I love God, and I want to be a good witness. And I totally blew it. And she said that this Spanish guy who was one of the cooks came around from the other side and shook her hand. He goes, now I know you're a Christian. Wow. And, and I thought that was really amazing that he wow. looked at it that Because she's Crazy. not a hypocrite then. Yeah. I, I'm not a hypocrite if I don't reach the goal I'm trying to reach. Huh. I'm a hypocrite if I live two different lifestyles purposely. Wow. You know, it's a big That's difference. Good, she wasn't living two different lifestyles. Yeah. She just blew it. Wow. And, you know, 
I've been blowing it a lot, and you know, and <laughs> God is a merciful, forgiving God. But I don't yeah. like blowing it. Yeah. The reason I feel so good when my sins are forgiven is because when I'm in my sin, I'm in bondage. Yeah. And then you get the release, and you're like, "This is great." But the problem with I always tell my students the problem with temptation is it's tempting. That's the problem. Yeah, that stinks. I, it does stink. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's yeah. why you got to be, you know, if you don't have, if you don't have some kind of devotional time with God and some kind of accountability group around you and you don't go to church and read your word, I'm telling you, man, it's very easy yeah. to fall into stuff. Really yeah. easy. Right. And uh, the thing that's always stuck with me, you're going to hate this analogy, but it's so good. You'll, you'll remember it the rest of your life. I heard this when I was probably, I don't know, 15 years old. And I'm a little older than that now, and uh, I, I still remember this. And it was Pastor Zarlingo talking, and he, he said, and if you've, been, if you've ever heard him talk about sin, you, you know the analogy I'm going to use, but he talks about sin, and he calls it chocolate-covered vomit. He says that's what sin is like, because on the outside it looks attractive, but, well, you can figure the rest out. But, uh, um, and so that is so true. That, that is, I mean, it is. It's tempting because the outside looks good, but it, the inside spoils, and the inside causes us nothing but pain and hardship. And so, um, you know, if, if we have this offer of the genuine thing, I mean, you've got like, I don't know what your thing is. I'm totally into peanut butter Snickers right now. So, I mean, I got peanut butter Snickers in one hand for you. I got chocolate covered vomit in the other. I want the genuine. I want the thing that's going to satisfy. And truly God is offering the satisfying thing. And sin is always offering, you know, the false thing, the thing that's going to come back and kind of say, ha ha, got you, you know? And so that's, um, that's something that I hope will stick with you and haunt you for the rest of your life like it has me. <laughs> Can I talk about Greek mythology in a Christian Let's setting? Let's do it. And I, I don't remember all the names here, but I think it's Jason and the Argonauts. When they, do you guys know the whole thing about the sirens? These beautiful, beautiful women that were on the rocks and they sang this beautiful, beautiful song. And then the men coming by in their sailing ships would hear the song, bring their ship toward the rocks and... Never got any satisfaction, but the rocks broke up the ship and they all died. So this guy, Jason, in Greek mythology, says to his boys, tie me up on a mast and fill your ears with the beeswax and let's get really close to where the sirens are, but don't, you're not going to even hear me shout out orders, but no matter what, just keep going, keep the ship going. I want to hear it for myself. And of course they do that and he hears it and he just starts screaming and, you know, get me off this mast. We got to go over there and this and that. Of course, they don't hear him, they ignore him, and then they go. There's another guy in Greek mythology who, when he would pass the sirens, he was the captain of the ship, and I can't remember his name, but he pulled out this instrument that was played the most beautiful, beautiful music that overrode the seductive sounds of the sirens. Mm. So his ship and, his, and all his sailors never were drawn to the rocks and always survived whenever they passed the sirens. And I heard somebody preach about it one time that if you get close to the Lord... Those things that seem to be tempting all the time, they, they kind of lose their luster after a while. I mean, when kids, my students used to ask me, well, don't you feel bad that you and Mrs. Kahn just like, this is like 20 years ago. You don't go to a nightclub and have a few drinks and dance around? I go, no, I don't feel bad about that at all. I'm not, I'm not missing that at all. And, uh, zero, as a matter of fact. You know, so, uh, you know, after a while, the things of this world, they, they pale in comparison to the way things are in your life walking with God. So it's like, the struggle can become, you know, less and less powerful, yeah. you know, in its negative pull on your life as you draw closer to God. If anyone here, I'm sure everyone here, who has really, really experienced at least once in their life, hands down, you were in the presence of God. You were in, like, super God land. Anybody here? <laughs> Anybody? Right? What have you done 
since then or before then that was better than that. Any experience you had hasn't even come close. And you didn't get the full impact, but you got something, something maybe at a church service, maybe at a retreat, maybe it was in your own bedroom. You, you felt the presence of God. You never wanted to leave that. Yeah. You know. Cool. Do you just wake up one day and you're genuine, or is it a process? That's a hard question. I think people can be very genuine in their gut from, from the get-go. Yeah. And the only reason people are not genuine in degrees, again, is because we fear people. We mm. fear man. And the Bible says that's a snare. But I think people tend to be naturally genuine in their hearts, but they're afraid, afraid to let it spill over. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know, maybe that sounds like a contradiction. Yeah, no, I but, but I think that the more comfortable you are with God makes you more comfortable with yourself makes you more confident to say your stuff. There's a big difference between, and I'm sure you guys know this, between personality and character. Actually, the Greek word for personality is prosophotis, and it actually means a mask. It actually means a mask. So our personalities are a mask. But what's great is when your character kind of intertwines with your personality, and there basically becomes no difference. Cool. You know? Yeah, awesome. What would you say to somebody, and this is probably all of us, uh, who's really messed up in the past. I mean, like, here we are talking about who, who you are where no one's looking, and we're thinking back to the time we did go there with the computer screen, or we were alone with the boyfriend or girlfriend, or we were, you know, talking or flirting with somebody else's spouse or someone who wasn't our spouse or whatever it might be, um, and way bigger than that. I mean, the night we got blasted, the night we, we you know, we bought drugs again, we, whatever it might be. Um, and here we are talking about who you are where no one's looking. Right now they're feeling... You know, guilt, they're feeling regret, they're feeling remorse. I would say welcome to the club. You know, and I don't, and I don't mean to uh, make light of the sins that you just said. Yeah, yeah. But that's the battle. Right. You know, and, you know, Pastor D'Onofrio from Up Room used to always say, just be in the battle. Mm. <laughs> At least just be in the battle. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't, don't give up yeah. and say, well, you know what? One thing the devil gets us to think is we're, we're so far gone, we keep going back to our sin. We might as well give it up, pack it in, stop being a hypocrite, stop going to church, and now you totally, you know, you totally gave it up. You yeah. know? And so that never works. But uh, all I know is that sin brings shame. I know in my life when I've sinned, whether anyone else has known about it or it's just me and God knowing about it, I feel shameful. I don't feel good about it. I, I mean, how many people, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many times all of us, have kind of thought, what if we could just like sin this one sin just one time? Yeah. And then I'll, I'll walk away with it. You know, maybe uh-huh. a sexual sin. And I just sleep with my girlfriend or boyfriend. Just, what if we just did it just one time? And then, you know, and then we, we wouldn't do it anymore. You know, but it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Sin doesn't work that way. And you do feel shameful. And, and you don't have to be a believer to feel shameful. People are ashamed of their sins. They're ashamed of their stuff. Yeah. And God made us that way because we don't feel right doing it deep down, even mm-hmm. though, again, it's tempting to do. And the Bible admits that sin is pleasurable for a season. Yeah. But it's a short season. Yeah, that's true. So uh, for somebody tonight who is just really, you know, I mean, and they've, been, they've been beating themselves up. They've been just, you know, wallowing in the, re, the consequences and the regret. So what's their step tonight? I'm just going to Jesus and spilling my guts out mm-hmm. if it's, if it's something that we talked about before where it's a real bondage or, you know, you really feel like you're a captive, yeah. I'm going to find myself two, three people that I trust, and I'm going to make war on it. You know, if it's something that I really seek to destroy, you know, if I gotta, I'm really leaning into alcoholism or drug abuse or, you know, in a sexual relationship and I'm not married, i I, I got to declare war on it. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's all God wants is your willingness to do it. Then he can help you. 
God can't help you if you don't want to be helped. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, cool. How much does, your, does, does all of our closeness with God affect all, all the genuineness and all the things we're talking about tonight? In every way. If you, if you find your identity in Christ, I'm telling you, you will not fear people. There's an old saying, if you fear man, you won't fear God. If you fear God, you won't fear man. And I'm not talking about, you know, like you walk up to somebody, you're all afraid of him. No, you're just afraid to admit your stuff, you know. And the more secure you get and the more you find your identity in Christ, which is really who you are. You, you're who God says you are, not who the world says you are. Not the body type or the amount of money or the car you drive. Uh, you become much more secure and much more genuine. Yeah, mm-hmm. cool. Can you just tell us a little bit about your personal time with God? What does that look like, like in just in a day? Uh, well, I walk a lot in the mornings, so that's kind of my most time. Probably, well, I walk for over an hour, but I probably the first 30 minutes or so that I walk, I'm praying to God, worshiping God. You know, I'll read the Bible, obviously. Uh, you know what it is? It's, about, it's a matter of being God conscious. Yep. It's a matter of being God conscious. You know, it's kind of funny when we say who we are when no one's looking. The problem is you can never say no one's looking. Right. That's the problem. And maybe you already discussed that. You know, because people say, would you do that? Would you watch that movie if Jesus was in the room? Jesus is in the room. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yep. Would you have said that if Jesus was there? Jesus is there. I mean, and you, know, you say you're a Christian. That means you're the temple. He's not just like alongside of you. Yeah. He's in you. Yeah. So he, here's a really harsh reality. It's kind of like the vomit with the, what was covering the Chocolate. Vomit? Chocolate? Yeah. Whatever you, know, you want, really. Caramel. I mean, if, I go, if, I go, <laughs> if I go tomorrow and commit adultery, I'm bringing God with me. Yeah. I mean, that is like a freaky thing. Yeah. You know, if, if I'm going to go do drugs, if I'm going to, you know, go rob somebody, curse somebody out, God's, God's with me in that. And, of course, that works in a really powerful way when, you do, when you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know, when you guys walk into the Smith Haven Mall, God just walked into Smith Haven Mall. And God wants to do something in Smith Haven Mall mm-hmm. and not drop the F-bomb and, you know, you to act stupid. or You know, yeah. he wants you to be a light. And, you know, that's, that's the whole idea. So, you know. God is there. It's not only that he's watching. Again, if you're a Christian, the Bible says he's in you. And it's not like a little piece of God. Like there's a billion Christians, so you get one billionth of them. It's like it's the fullness of God that you carry. Which, of course, you know, I love that. I love that God's always with me when I'm in a jam, you know. You know, I'm, I'm in big, big trouble right now. Wait, God's with me. Oh, I got to go to court because I got a ticket. And, you know, they might take my license away. So, oh, wait, God's going to be with me. Yeah, he is. And he's also going to be with you. When you choose to do the wrong thing. Yeah, definitely. You know, so yeah. there's no magic to it, you know. Yeah. Like, God is there. And, and, and God isn't like, God is just so grieved when we sin. That's what it is. That's why, you know, people say, especially people that don't know God, he's got all these rules and regulations, you know. Yeah, so do pilots. And aren't you glad, you know, that they follow them? Hmm. You, you know what I mean? And, like, your doctor tells you stuff. And you're like, you mean if I do this, then I'll be okay? Yeah, you'll be okay. Oh, oh, he's giving me a bunch of rules. He's making me take this medicine so I can live. You know what I mean? You know, so everything God's doing is for our, you know, good. So when we're not doing it, he's grieved. He's like, oh, my gosh. She's pregnant. She's 17. Here we go. Here we go. Here goes the downward spiral. I can't believe it. I can't believe she took that turn or he did this or whatever. So it isn't like God's going to get you. God is completely broken up and busted up in his heart and grieved because he knows the consequences of your sin. He knows it. Hmm. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I, I brought this up last week, the fact that God's not trying to ruin our fun when he's laying out guidelines. He's trying to preserve our lives. He's trying to preserve our joy, our ultimate satisfaction. And so when we talk about who we are when no one's looking, the funny thing is, is even let's say God wasn't looking, let's say no one was looking, and we still went down that path towards sin, we would still be on the short end of the stick. We would still be harming ourselves ultimately. Even if we thought we got away from it and God couldn't see somehow, we figured something out and we totally got away with it, we'd still be on the unsatisfied side of what God wants us to be. And so that's just the reality for each of us. And that's the hard thing we gotta remember. That's the thing in the moment to remember. Uh, talk about the moment. Talk about the next time. You know, one of us says, you know, we're, we're tempted to, um, you know, no one's looking, so to speak. It's just me and my wife. I'm tempted to, you know, yell and scream and get angry, um, yell at my kids. Some of these guys, uh, oh gosh, they got the call from the friend that they always end up getting drugs with. They, you know, like what in that moment, what is it? What, what do they run to? What do they do? I, I'm calling on the name of God. I'm getting myself into a place where like if I'm about to have an argument with my wife, yeah. I got to go find another place to be. Cool. If, if it's something like, you know, the drug thing, I, I'm going to call someone I know who's a solid Christian. Yeah. Hey, I, I just got to call. These guys want me to meet them, man. I, I, I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything I can, you know, not, not to go there. Yeah. You know? Awesome. awesome. Okay. So cool. I think, guys, for some of us, the answer tonight is just knock it off. Just knock it off. We know what we're doing is hurting us. It's hurting those we care for. And it's time to knock it off. We, you know, maybe you guys have been, you know, kind of playing, like I said, playing the church thing and playing the other life. And you're one person here, one person there. And it's just time tonight. Let's just make a decision. Let's draw a line in the sand. Let's say, okay, I'm not going to be perfect. I know that going in. Doug and John both admitted they're not perfect. They've been at this a long time. But, okay, I want to be genuine. I want to be real. I want to take steps toward Jesus, so I'm going to knock it off. Others of us, it's time to just get real. It's time to get with the people in our lives that we know love Jesus and just say, okay, this is where I've been. This is what I've been going through. These are the things I've either been given into or I've been tempted to give into. It's time to just get real with the people that God's placed in our lives. And I think for others of us, it's time to get some serious prayer. It's time to, to look to God. It's time to get with somebody who, who really can pray for us and just pray us out of that deep pit. I love what David said, the Lord lifted me out of the pit. He lifted me. It doesn't say, you know, I climbed halfway. I met him kind of there. Like I, you know, I, I went bane on him when I climbed up half the thing, you know, like I, you know, no, no, no. Like he lifted me up. I could not have climbed. I, I couldn't have reached my way out, you know. So some of us are in that place. We are so deep in it. We literally need him to pick us up out of the pit. And uh, some of us need that. And there are people, our drummer tonight already will tell you his story. Well, hopefully he will. I, I'm telling you now he will. Uh, no, he won't. Uh, no, but he'll tell you about how God did that for him when it came to drug addiction. I mean, he's told us that from the stage. I mean, there are several people in the room that have this experience. And if you've been a follower of Jesus for any length of time, there's probably an area of your life where God has lifted you out of the pit. And um, so I'd encourage you. I'd encourage you tonight, what's your step? Where are you headed? Are you gonna knock it off? Is, is, was this the two by four in the head that you needed? Are you gonna start to confide in some Christians around you that you know love you and have your back and will be the accountability or the prayer partner that you need? Or do you need to just need to go to God and say, God, I seriously need you to just free me, lift me up out of this pit of drug addiction, porn addiction, uh, cheating on my spouse, screaming at my wife, screaming at my parents, screaming at my kids, whatever it might be. Um, pride, jealousy, gossip, whatever it is. Some of us, we just have to be lifted up out of that pit. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, 
I just want John to be able to just kind of wrap up and share with you. Maybe you walked in tonight and you're thinking, oh gosh, they're just talking about more rules and regulation. And I just want him to be able to kind of close this out tonight and talk to you and give you God's heart for where you're at. You walked in tonight thinking this was all about rules and doing the right thing. I just want John to be able to share with you the gospel real quickly and tell you what, what God's done for you. I just before I do that, if I can, really yeah. quick, I, I think one of the things that's really happened, and because I'm like older than dirt, uh, I've seen this thing. I've seen this thing really build over the last couple of decades. We are a nation that completely 100% goes by our feelings. Mm-hmm. Everything is about your feelings. Everything is about follow your heart. Every show where you know the girl was going to do this, the guy's going to do this, someone says, "You know what? Follow your heart. You'll know. You'll know." Let me tell you something. Feelings are great, but they should not rule your life. What's right should rule your life. The feelings will follow. Good things can follow, you know. But to think that I have to feel a certain way, whether it's something a drug is going to give me, sex is going to give me, me telling somebody off, me cursing somebody out, I just feel better. You know, people have to say, no one knows how I feel. No one knows I'm going through. We all go through stuff. Everybody goes through stuff. And to make feelings the, the pinnacle of everything in your life, they will, they will lead you to destruction because that's just your flesh, and your flesh wants to be satisfied 24-7. You want to be a doctor? You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to study real hard. So when some of your friends just play video games and go out and party, you're not going because you're going to be a doctor, right? So your feeling is, I want to go hang out with my friends, but I want to be a doctor. So I can't do that all the time the way they do it because they don't have the aspirations I have. When, everything's like that. So to make feelings the end-all, be-all of every, you know, Christmas just passed. Everybody goes, it doesn't feel like Christmas. It just doesn't feel like Christmas. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Nobody even knows what that is. You know, when, I, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, the big thing was, I got to get my act together, man. I'm going to go out to the West Coast. Everything was, everything was about going to California. I'm going to go to California. We get my act together. I used to tell my friends, there's only one problem with you going out to California to get your act together. You'll be with you. (laughs) That's the only problem. You'll be there with you. And it's not going to work. But as far as the gospel, the gospel is the good news. The good news is every one of us on our best day, we still have a little bit of knucklehead in us. We've all messed up. Everybody's sinned, the Bible says. Everybody's fallen short. There's not a person... Your nicest grandmother, the sweetest lady in the world, falling short. Sins. Maybe people aren't all committing adultery and killing each other, but pride and, and selfishness and unforgiveness and bitterness, everybody's challenged with it. We're weak. I just read Psalm 103 with my wife this morning. It says, as a father pities his son, so the Lord pities his children. And he remembers our frame, and he knows we're dust. God knows that. God knows that. And because we could not get ourselves out of the muck and the mire, God sent his son. And his son got on a cross and said, you know what, Doug, John, you guys don't have what it takes. But you know what, you're about to get nailed with the wrath of God. But I got it. I'm going to take it for you. That's why I love Jesus. Because without, without me ever, ever, never even meeting him, him just knowing who I would be and who I'd be living one day, 2,000 years in the future. He got on a cross for me. He died. He gave it up 100%. He was sinless and perfect. And anyone who comes to that knowledge and understanding, the Bible says that you'll be saved. You'll have eternal life. If you give God your life, ask forgiveness, and take 
what Jesus did for you as the sacrifice to cover your sins. The Bible says you're right with God. You're right with God. And you're not going to be perfect the day you get saved because that's all we've been talking about here tonight. But it's, it's the step one into your walk into eternity. And it's, it's finally you'll have a chance. You won't be totally in the clutches of this world and the enemy and your own feelings and emotions. You'll actually, the only people in the world that can be double-minded are Christians. Because we know what the world's saying and doing, and we know what God is saying and doing. And the moment you get saved, the Bible says, spiritually, all things are new again. When, when um, you know, your, your spirit comes alive unto God, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes into you, and it's kind of like the down payment, the scripture actually says that, for, for your future in Christ and in eternity. And, you know, that really happens. There's a spiritual, gigantic work that takes place. You come up here and give God your life. Ask God for the forgiveness of your sins. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. You're really changed. And what's going to slowly happen is your spirit inside of you is going to start to become the stronger factor rather than your flesh and your humanness. When two people get married, God says they become one flesh. We don't see that, but God sees it. When you come up and you get saved, you you become alive unto God. Your spirit becomes alive unto God. And you're about to go on a journey that nothing in this world can compare it to. Nothing at all. So to me, the wisest thing you could ever do is not wait another moment, mm. but lay it all down for the Lord because he laid it all down for us. Awesome. Thanks, John. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much, Lord, for this night. We thank you for John. We thank you for his willingness, God, to come and just share with us. Just I thank you for his genuineness, and uh, I know that's what is one of the things that has really changed so many of our lives here in this room is just the genuine man of God that he is. So we thank you for him. We just pray you bless him. And God, we just want to pray through what we talked about now, God. Um, we, we pray about these different steps maybe we need to take tonight. I pray for all of us tonight and just need to knock this off, God. I need to stop having one foot in church and one foot close to God and the other foot, you know, out partying, getting wasted and sleeping around and, you know, cursing people out and letting just anger, you know, rule their marriage or their relationship with their kids or their parents. God, I just pray for all of us in the room that, just, that this was the two by four to the head. We, we are woken up and now's, now's the night, now's the time. I just pray, God, that you give those people wisdom and boldness tonight. If you're a follower of Jesus and that's where you're at, you're in the knock it off group. Tonight, would you just bring that to God? Would you, would you tell them the things that tonight you kind of just woke up to? And would you just ask him for the strength to move forward? God, I pray for all the people in this room tonight that just need to get real with the Christians around them. There are people in this room that need accountability, they need friendship, they need people to help carry them along. And God, I just pray that you'd be with those people and help them to know who they are and help them to know who to go to. So if you're a Christian and you're in that group, would you pray about that? Would you ask God just to lead you to the right people? And would you just ask him for the boldness to be able to tell them what's going on in your life? Ask them for the accountability that you might need. And if you're in the pit tonight, you're in that place where you are so stuck, I want to just pray for you now. And I also just want to really encourage you to come up and get some prayer from our prayer team after the last song tonight and let them pray with you. You don't even have to tell us the thing if you're you know, embarrassed about it. We'll just pray for you. Just pray that whatever it is, the Holy Spirit would do his work in you in a way that only he can. So let me pray for you. Gotta pray for everybody in that third group that's just really stuck, God stuck to porn addiction, stuck in the midst of uh, some kind of an affair, stuck in the middle of a drug 
or alcohol addiction or, or just even abuse, just using more than they should or, or using drugs at all or, or any reliance on any kind of even prescription medication or even over-the-counter stuff that's just being abused or um, just the, the anger in a husband's heart or a wife's heart or, or the temper in, in a child or, or a teenager tonight or just any of these things, God, that we're just stuck in the pit, anything I'm not even naming. Holy Spirit, just, just move mightily. Break the power of those things. So if you're a Christian and you're in that third group, would you just begin to cry out to God that he do a mighty work in your life? And if you're not a follower of Jesus tonight, John did a fabulous job of telling you what Jesus has done for you. And tonight I want to give you the opportunity to respond to what you heard and just invite Jesus to be the savior of your life, to take that sacrifice that he gave for you and allow that to be the thing that cleanses, washes you, and gives you a new heart with new desires. And so if you want to pray that prayer, I'm just going to ask you to pray it silently. It's between you and God. And it goes something like this. You don't even have to say these exact words, just something like this. Jesus, tonight I'm asking you to be my Savior and my God. I'm thankful for your forgiveness. And I'm asking you to forgive me for all the wrong I've done in my life and all the wrong I will do in my life. I thank you that this is a free gift And I thank you for your tremendous love. And now, God, I'm just praying that you'll show yourself to me. Show me how real you are. What John said tonight about the Holy Spirit coming into my life and changing me. God, help me to see that. I thank you, God, for this gift of salvation. Amen.